0: Our scripture reading this morning is going to come from everyone's favorite Christmas story, Psalm 98. I know last night you all went home and read Psalm 98 together. So, and you're going to understand in a minute while we're reading this passage. But Psalm 98: Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have gotten holy arm have gotten Him victory. The Lord has made known His victory. He has revealed His vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in the joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the song of sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise to the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all who live in who live in those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands and the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few weeks back, when Tim and I were planning this service, we were having a conversation about what this Sunday should look like. We knew it would be a little bit different schedule, a little bit different pattern, and a little bit different service. We wanted the service to be a little more casual, you know, to be a little bit more relaxed, more family-oriented, if you will, a very, rela- a very relaxed service. We were discussing what to do, and I looked at Tim, and I said, Tim, I said, I really think what we should do is we should have just a service full of, full of just carols, just singing carols all service long, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. I looked over at Tim, and, and with tears in his eyes, he grabbed my hand and said, no, Andy, you need to preach. <laughs> I, I'll never forget it. And I said, Tim, no, 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 Tim, I really think we should just sing. And, like, I, I just, I, I mean, I saw, I, I couldn't tell if it was one single tear, for it was many. He said, he grabbed my hand and said, no, Andy, I really want to hear you preach again. I said, I don't think the three sermons on Christmas Eve are enough. What I really need to complete my Christmas is just one more sermon. And I looked at him, I said, Tim, if you're serious, I'll do it. I don't want to, but if that's what you want, so Merry Christmas. That, that, that's how, Tim, that's how I remember the conversation going. I'm pretty, that's a pretty sure depiction. Is that how you remember it going? You don't remember it like that? That's how I remember I just, I'll never forget that one lone tear slowly rolling down your cheek. I was moved. So against my better judgment, I said, okay, Tim, to make you happy, I will preach again. <laughs> so to, today is, a, but in all seriousness, as we thought about today, I was really thinking about in this, in this service and in this time, what our music means to us. You know, so much of Christmas is wrapped up with singing, whether it be the familiar carols that we sung this morning, whether it be um, hearing Mariah Carey sung again. And again, by the way, nobody's had a better run on Christmas than Mariah Carey. You know, so whether it here or whether it be whether it be um, you know even the, the secular songs we we love the Twelve Days of Christmas uh, in the modern the Elvis what, like whatever we all we in many ways we all identify Christmas in some way with music. It's just a regular part of our Christmas experience. One of the highlights of my Christmas Eve. You know, Christmas Eve is always a, a little busy day for those of us in the church. But every Christmas Eve, I try to find some time uh, to listen to nine lessons and carols from uh, the, from the from England every year from London, from King's College. It's just one of my favorite little little things I do on Christmas Eve is to listen to that choir sing those beautiful hymns and then to hear the the, the scripture read that recounts the miracle that is Christmas. So music is a is a vital part of our Christmas experience. And we all have our favorite Christmas carols. I, I don't know what your favorite one is. I, my, mine, my favorite Christmas carol is always a moving target. Um, you Oh, know, come on, come Emmanuel. is not really a Christmas hymn. It's more of an Advent hymn, but I love it. I love In the Bleak Midwinter. I, I don't know why. The last few years, In the Bleak Midwinter has kind of become my favorite carol. I, I, I just, I, I love the songs of Christmas, and I know that you do as well. Even if you're like me and not really a singer, you still, you still love the music. But the most popular Christmas carol ever written, the most published Christmas song in the English language is Joy to the World. I mean, Joy to the World is the one that is sung the most. At one point, it was the most published Christmas carol in the English language. I mean, it is a beloved, it is a classic Christmas carol that means so much to it that we can almost sing, you know, without even thinking about it. And it was written by Isaac Watts. I don't know if you know who Isaac Watts is. I love to pick it, Tim, but in all seriousness, one of the highlights of my week each week is when we plan worship together because we have very similar musical taste. And there are two well, you know, I would sing John Wesley three times a day if he let me. But, um, but you know, there are hymnists that we all both love, people like Charles Wesley. But people like Isaac Watts, Fanny J. Crosby. These are uh, hymn writers that just have some of your favorite words out there. But Isaac Watts is one of the great hymn writers of our faith. And I don't know if you realize what a blessing your hymnal is. I'm going to tell you a secret. When the sermon's bad, get out your hymnal. You can kill a lot of time with your hymnal. So if you were to get in the back and look up Isaac Watts, if you look at the songs that he wrote, you're going to recognize a lot of them. He wrote a lot of your favorite hymns, a lot of your favorite songs. He's a great, great, great um, hymnist. And Joy to the World probably is his most well-known hymn and probably is his most well-sung hymn. It's this beloved Christmas carol. But here's the thing about this carol. This Christmas carol is not about what you think it is. Joy of the world is not what you think it's about. But if you get out, if you get out your hymnal, if you want to go ahead and get it out, you can turn to it. Is where we're actually going to close today's service with it. It's hymn four ninety two ninety two forty six. 246. Hymn 246. Joy of the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy of the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing known. Far as the curse is found, he rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. This. Carol was inspired by Psalm 98. That's why we read that psalm this morning. That This carol was originally com- part of a collection of hymns composed by Watts that were hymns based upon the psalms. If you go back and look at hymns from that age, I have a replica of one of Charles Wesley's hymnals. In those days, your, hym- your, hymns, your, your, your hymnals were really more like a book of poetry. So if you were to get a hymnal from that age, you would find really just lyrics. They didn't have the music notes in there. It would just be the lyrics. And so a lot of people would care. In fact, Wesley encouraged every Methodist to have on them at all times a Bible, a hymnal, and a discipline. Like that's what he expected all, particularly the circuit writers, to have on them at all times. Bible, hymnal, discipline. Because in that you'd have the Word of God, you'd have your theology and what you would sing, and then you had your order with your discipline. I always think of something Frank Pollard said one time. Frank Pollard was long longtime pastor of First Baptist Jackson, but to, to, for my money, probably the best preacher I've ever heard preach in my entire life. Dr. Pollard said, we get our theology from the scripture we read, the prayers we pray, and the hymns we sing. And I've always thought that was very true. We don't understand how much what we believe and how we live our Christian life is shaped by the songs we sing. So Watts published a hymnal, which happened all the time back then, published a hymnal of hymns on the Psalms. And Door to the World was the hymn that was the most well-loved of all those hymns. But what's very interesting is is that if you look at the psalm that inspired it, Psalm 98, and if you actually look at the words of the hymn, you know what you're going to find? This hymn is not about the birth of Christ. It's about the return of Christ. This is a hymn that in what original composing was a hymn not about singing about Jesus' birth at Bethlehem, but it's actually about his return as Savior of the world. He rules the world with truth and grace. And makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Joy of the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns compose a crown. We have taken what's beloved hymn about Christ's return, and taken it to be a hymn. By the way, rightly so. Let I me mean, see, this is a beautiful Christmas carol. But This is a hymn that actually was about his return that we sing as a hymn about his birth. And y'all, I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. Because I think thinking in that way, focusing not just upon Christ's birth but upon Christ's return is a powerful way for us to live as Christians. Because here's what it does when we live In that reality. See, y'all, sometimes we live in this notion that maybe one day, perhaps, possibly, if we're lucky, maybe one day, potentially, perhaps, Jesus may one day possibly be king. Maybe one day. Maybe one day Jesus will be king, perhaps one day. That's not what we believe as Christians, y'all. You know what we believe as Christians? Jesus is king now. Jesus is king now. Jesus will not rule one day, but Jesus rules now. Jesus will not be Lord one day, but Jesus is Lord now. We've got to shift our thinking to understand that Christ's reign is not something that will happen one day, but Christ's reign is something that's happening now. And we need to adjust our thinking and our living to that reality. Because what happens is this. So often as Christians, when we don't think about it that way, we live defeated lives. Or we live lives of gloom and defeatism. How I said last night, we manage our expectations We don't live in the hope and in the abundance of the fact that Jesus is king. We don't sing joy to the world like we mean it. We don't sing joy to the world with the hope this song was actually written to inspire. We don't sing joy to the world with the passion and the dedication and the optimism and the joy of the reality that Jesus Christ is king now that our sins are forgiven now and that we have the power through the Holy Spirit to work to make things better now. There's that old quote attributed to um, one of the old saints that said, Lord, save us from sour-faced saints. I love that, y'all. We should be the most joyful of all people we should be the most hopeful of all people. We should be the most optimistic of all people because the Lord is king. Let all the earth proclaim. This babe born in Bethlehem, this babe born to save us, grew into a man who taught us to love, taught us to live, taught us to care, taught us to give, modeled for us what it means to be a a follower of Christ, modeled for us that when our cheek is struck, we should turn the other one to them. We live in a world of preemptive strikes where I'm going to get you before you got the chance to get me. Where Jesus says, no, 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 don't get them first. But Jesus said, in fact, when they get you, turn your cheek to them, they can get you again. That's insane. But will we live with the reality that this world's not our home, When we live with the reality that Christ is king, we don't play with the weapons of this world, y'all. We don't think like this world. We don't act like this world. We don't love like this world. We don't forgive like this world because our king is King Jesus. Our king is King Jesus. And for far too long, we Christians want to play with the weapons of this world, not the weapons of Christ. Weapons of Christ are love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe not the weapons of Christ. But perhaps we should use the word that Paul used. The fruits of the Spirit. You know, it's funny. When I was younger this art and starting ministry, oh, y'all, I was so stupid. <laughs> and the good thing about it, I was too dumb to realize I was stupid. It's a great combination. To be, didn't even realize how dumb you are. I kind of got to that point in my life when I was young. It's not that I wanted to be famous or powerful, but I wanted to be relevant. You know, I wanted to really, you know, be relevant. Got into church leadership, a bunch of church leadership folk, all those famous church gurus that were growing their churches to 6,000 people a day on every service. And I thought, boy, they're really getting it done, aren't they? If you follow the church leadership world, which I know you all do, follow it completely, a lot of those folk who built them big old famous churches all over the world have imploded. I I no longer desire to follow folks that have charisma, our strategic thinking, our good branding. I want to follow folk where I see the fruit of the Spirit. That's what I want to follow. And I don't want to develop in my life all the bells and whistles of this world. What I really want is the fruit of the Spirit. Because what the fruit of the Spirit is, the Spirit of God is. We have to live in the reality that Jesus is king, y'all. We've got to live in the reality that Jesus is king. And if Jesus is king, not that he will be king one day, but that he's king now, That's going to change everything about how we live. That's going to change how we love, how we forgive, how we serve, how we do everything. And I think that's why I love George the World so much. My favorite verse in this hymn is the third verse. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known, for as the curse is found, for as the curse is found. I mentioned earlier that I love listening every Christmas Eve to Lessons and Carols out of the, out of the King's College in London. And what I love, it's a very simple service. It's a scripture reading, and it's a hymn, scripture hymn, scripture hymn, scripture hymn. It's nine scriptures, nine carols. It's beautiful. But it tells the story of Christ across scripture. Starting in Genesis, and I love it because of the Scriptures as well. But the most, one of the most important moments in Scripture is in Genesis 3. You've heard me talk about this before. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell, and all of creation fell with them, and God gives the curses, Adam, Eve, and the serpent. And he says to Adam, because you will, by the sweat of your brow, you will live And the dust, the ground will produce thorns. Because of their sin, everything got disordered. Because of their fall, everything got disordered. So where does Jesus come to make his blessings known? For as the curse is found. Everywhere where sin and brokenness and hatred and fallenness and thorns and thistles and all the effect of the fall... Everywhere, sin sees its claw marks. Everywhere, brokenness and hatred and division and all these things that are antithetical to God. Everywhere, these things are found. For as the curse is found, what do we also find running headlong into the curse and bringing redemption? But Jesus, but Jesus, joy to the world. The Lord has come. He comes to make his blessings known for as the curse is found. Dr. Bill Urey, who was a professor at Wesley Biblical Seminary, said something that stuck with me years ago. We read our Bible sometimes as if we think it starts in Genesis chapter three when the fall occurred. But when you read your Bible, you know where the Bible starts? In Genesis 1, with the creation and where God creating everything and God saying it is good. As great as sin is, as great as brokenness is, as great as hatred is, as great as all the stuff of the world is, it is not greater than the power of God. And it's not more beautiful than the grace of God And all the kings of this world and all the despots and all the dictators and all the evil of this world were defeated by a newborn child born in a stable in Bethlehem. That all the evil of this world was defeated by a newborn infant given to us by our loving God. I love this hymn because it reminds us of the truth. Not that Jesus one day may perhaps be king, but that right now, in this moment, he is king. And that should produce within us unspeakable, unmeasurable, unquantifiable joy. Joy, joy, joy. We should be the joyous of all people We should be the happiest of all people. We should laugh the most and rejoice the most and celebrate the most because our king has come. So live today with joy because it's Christmas. But live tomorrow with joy because it remains Christmas. And live every day with joy. Now, you can get a little sad on Good Friday if you want to but live with joy because the Lord has come and the Lord will come and everything broken will be restored and everything crooked will be made straight and everything that sin has robbed will be given back. The um, elements, not elements, but the The the, the parts of the instruments used for communion are called a patent and a chalice. The patent is the plate, and the chalice is the cup. And every preacher has, if you look in their offices, you're going to find tons of patents and chalices because it's one of those things we all collect. And I think every, this is going to shock you, I think every patent or chalice I got is broke because I'm clumsy, and I've dropped them all dozens of times. My, my my one from Israel has a big chunk in the in the um has a chunk in the um in the patent. Just a chunk of it, the olive Woods missing. I don't know where it went to. Somewhere in Bogotá, I'm sure. My other one I got from Israel, which is it's 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 the fish and the loaves. It's, it broke on the way back from the first flight. So they're all every every patent or chalice I got is broke some way. I've duct taped them back together through the years. And um i never forget, my first, my first patent chalice ever got was when I was up in the Delta. And um, I was so proud of it. You know, I, 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 was, I was picking with Holly and the kids last night when I got home from church. I was tired. And I said, preaching three times on a day is a lot harder in your 40s than it was in your 20s. So when I was in the Delta, I had my three little churches. Now, sometimes I, I had so little time to go between them that I would drive... Between Lytton and Lynn, still wearing my robe, <laughs> like i didn't have time to, i didn 't have time to, uh, to change and there was a big curve right between right as you got to Lynn Methodist Church, and they called it the preacher's curve, because every preacher had wrecked there because you because know, they're, they're coming in hot from Linton, and you know they, they're going to try to make that curve too much, and they've gone off in a cotton field and I never wrecked there. I got stuck in cotton fields in other ways, but never that way, but one day it's after I got this first this patent and chalice. I was going to serve communion there. And I was so proud of myself and so excited. I just couldn't wait. Got out the car. And like I said, I'm a lineman, so I got, I got clumsy fingers. And I got out the car with this patent and chalice in my hand, and I dropped it. Dropped it. And so, this, so, so the patent has a, has, a, has a big crack and big, big. it's torn up. You know? It's not broken. It's not unusable, but it's definitely dinged up pretty good. I was pretty frustrated, pretty mad. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money back then, and I'd saved up to buy this, and I was mad that I broke it. And I was mad because it was so pretty, and I got this new thing, and I was tore up, and I won't be able to use it. I just was mad. So I walked in the church. I was going to get the juice out and put it in the, in the chalice and lay the bread on the patent. And I was just real frustrated. I was like, Lord, you know, I got this thing I'm pretty proud of, and now it's broke. That's no, it's broke. You know, it's awful. And I heard this little voice, this still, small voice inside of me say, Yeah, Andy, it's broken. But I'm going to use it to give grace to the people. In the same way you are broken. And I'm going to use you to give grace to people. So I try to make my ministry about grace, y'all, because I believe I'm a pretty broken fellow, loved by a good God, and I believe if we all be honest with ourselves, we all find that we're all a little broken, and we're all in need of grace. He comes to make his blessings known, for as the curse is found, for as the curse is found, for as the curse is found. If we believe in the miracle of Christmas, then everywhere we look and find the brokenness of sin, find the brokenness of life, find the brokenness of all these things, you know what else we're going to find? The goodness of our Savior, bringing us His grace, far as the curse is found. We are people of grace, we are people of joy. We are people of incarnation. We are people of resurrection. We are people of joy. So live today with joy. Live your life with joy. Live every moment with joy. For he has come and he is coming. May joy abound. Let's pray.